Hello and welcome back to the Foxworthy Podcast. This is episode 74, Denis 2049, the second to last edition. One more movie arrival with Amy Adams, but this time it's Sicario with Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, and more. It's a cool one. Me and Sam talked about the screenplay, the cool action sequences, and what works and doesn't work with this movie. It's definitely an interesting one to talk about, so check it out. Check out our previous episodes on August 32nd on Earth, Maelstrom, Polytechnique, and Cindy's Prisoners, Enemy, and that's it. All our Survivor episodes are up. The season started last night, so stay tuned. Stay with us. Go to the website, foxworthypodcast.com. Go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Do whatever. Have some fun. Enjoy this episode. See you for Arrival, the last episode of Denis 2049, and then it's Blade Runner all the way. Welcome back to the Foxworthy Podcast. This is Denis 2049. I'm Taylor Gaines, and we're very close to Blade Runner 2049. But today we're going to talk about our second to last movie, 2015's Sicario. And with me, on the other line, I found him, and it's like I discovered a vaccine. Sam Hensel. Hello. I'm back in my home, lined with the 35 bodies of the disposed of cartel. I thought it was like 42 or something. Is it? So we won't get any dog barking this time? Um, TBD. Not my dog, at least. <laughs> Actually, the last one wasn't my dog either. Probably not going to be a dog, unfortunately. <laughs> any of any of the humans are still alive? Kind of any last gasps? Maybe some yes, of that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, some, some moaning and whining in the, in the walls. Yeah, so Hopefully we're going to get into it with Sicario. I think this is... Uh, I'll have to double check with Arrival, but this movie had three Oscar nominations, which might be the most Villeneuve had for a movie. It was Best Cinematography, Best Music, and Best Sound Editing. The music was really good in this. Yeah, the, and it's Johan Johansson again. Another, My boy, Johan Another Denis collaboration. Uh, is it? It's probably jo- no, it's, Johan it's Johansson, right? In America, it's John Johansson. But where he's from, there's probably... Uh, Roger Deakins was the cinematographer again. Patrice Vermette, who is a name I'm becoming weirdly familiar with because of this series, was the production designer again. The PD. Yeah, he did uh, Enemy and Prisoners and uh, Arrival as well. He did not do the upcoming Blade Runner as Deakins did. Yeah, slightly different. And this movie was written by our friend Taylor Taylor Sheridan. Sheridan. Our best friend. Who we will definitely be talking about. His first movie. His, this was first, his first movie. feature film. He just sat down with a Microsoft Word document. I was like, I'm going to write a movie about the drug cartel. I know everything. I, I know everything know. I need to know. I was in Veronica Mars and Sons of Anarchy. Let's, we'll this talk is the about Sons him. of Anarchy. We'll, of, okay. We'll talk it. about him. We'll get to because it. Because he's an interesting character. Yeah. He reminds me a little bit of... Uh, Nick Pizzolatto. Pizzolatto, yep. <laughs> yeah, we almost said that at the same time. That. Similar uh, enigmatic writer type who yeah. thinks he's the best. Yeah. But this movie is pretty much about the drug war 
in a very overt way. Like, you know, you know how we talked with prisoners, how, oh, well, you could say this is about the role torture plays in society, or you could just say it's about the limits we'll push ourselves to in an extreme situation or whatever. But you can take many different things away from it. This movie is pretty straightforward. It's like it starts with drug war and ends with drug war and lets you know that nothing good comes out of the drug war. Unless you like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> or unless you're one of the lucky few, I guess, who's making bank off of it. Yeah, some people live really nicely in that, in that industry. Yeah, apparently. But, yeah, it basically stars Emily Blunt, who... What 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 was was she with the FBI? I, I didn't really. The FBI, yeah. She, she the, was like the, part of a kidnapping investigative unit that was or something. All very con- yeah, she like her role was just kidnapping. But uh, I like, guess. Yeah. S- spoiler alert, I, and we'll we'll just get into the spoilers because I don't really care about the plot of this movie. Um, she gets recruited to work with what I guess was the CIA, who had apparently hired some kind of mexican or actually sorry colombian hitman to yeah. important distinction to help take down a certain drug lord and, and they basically use her so that they can get an official signature from like a legitimate uh, not not that the cia is illegitimate but i guess they're more covert than the they fbi needed, is they needed domestic uh chaperone is basically what the point was they... right so that she basically just gets used yeah. and then We'll talk about the ending a little bit later, but they force her into certain situations. Benicio del Toro plays the Colombian assassin with a simple but Compelling. somehow overwrought backstory at the same time. Josh Brolin plays the CIA leader who wears flip flops. I liked that. That was no, kind I of didn't a nice like character. That. character. <laughs> that was so stupid to me. Why would he? Like they like they didn't trust his his acting enough to to like yeah, send us a message of his characters like let's let's put him in an official meeting but he's wearing flip-flops <laughs> wait 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 hold up what if take your shoes off put on my flip-flops yeah. let's see how that goes they're like six seconds away from handing him a big gulp and just doing two big lebowski making it the big lebowski basically one of my favorite actors is in this movie jeffrey donovan Burn oh my notice gosh, guy. Burn notice. I'm, I'm prepared to call him just Burn Notice the entire movie. <laughs> and he obviously was in Fargo, season two, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think he might have been my favorite minor character in this movie, at least. There's a guy from the Americans playing like a dirty Mexican cop. I think his name's Maximiliano Hernandez. And then who else am I forgetting? Daniel Kaluuya. Get oh, Out's Daniel Kaluuya. Um, yeah, from Get Out and Black Mirror. The Walking uh, Dead's John Bernthal. Yeah, John Bernthal from whatever marvel show they're making now and yeah there was pretty good cast and obviously villeneuve was the director or else i don't know what we'd be doing here yeah is this not the taylor sheridan 2049 podcast <laughs> i thought we were done with everything else was just a build up one. to this to this yeah. moment <laughs> so i don't really have a lot of thoughts about the plot because there's not really that much going on but it's I somehow mean, too simple and too complex at the same time. <laughs> I don't like know I, how that's I got possible. halfway through the movie and I was like, I don't think anything's happened yet, but I'm conf- I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah, it, and it was one of those things too where they bring her along on these dangerous like cross border missions so that they can have this official approval or whatever. But the entire time she's dangerously uninformed for the situation she's being brought yeah. into. Yeah. Like 
her life is literally at risk because they're telling her nothing about what's going on. Yeah, and every time she asks, she's like, I just want to know what I'm doing. And they're like, do you care about people not dying? And she's like, well, yeah, but why are those things mutually exclusive? Why can't you just tell me what I'm doing? And then Uh, in a classic Taylor Sheridan move, I I believe, I mean, it's his first movie, so I guess everything's a classic Taylor Sheridan move. (laughs) Sure. Uh, He brings in Kalia to basically speak for because the woman's not strong enough to get answers from right. the men yes. so she he brings in kalia to be like tell us what's going on or we walk and then that's when they get answers obviously because you know women are weak because yeah it's like we need a man here to translate for this for this girl that's what was really strange about this overall was like villeneuve in a lot of his movies is also is always very it seems like he's very passionate about giving women strong roles in some way or another and she definitely is strong in this movie, but, like, the writing tries to undercut her at, like, every yeah. turn. <laughs> it could have been worse, though. That's a good point. It could yeah. have, like... There was an element of she needed to be saved by a guy when she when John Bernthal tries to tries to do what John Bernthal does in every <laughs> single movie that he's in. Yeah, um, can he... Is, is he physically able to play a good person? <laughs> no, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I instantly have just no trust for this guy. Instant distrust. No matter how grossly charming he may be in the bar. But there was an element of that, and then there's like, like she needs to have, she needs to be spoken for. She needs to. There's a, there's a little bit of that, but like at least for most, most of the movie, she does her own thing. At least, I mean, she at least like. Is <laughs> and she's cool great. And does, I mean, she's, she's a great smart, actress. And she's a great actress. Yeah. And Dan, I don't think I like Daniel Kaluuya very much. I mean, he's good in Get Out, but he's not. He's so weak in this movie. I was gonna say it was strange to see him in this movie having seen him in get out because he's so good in get out and has so much to do and then in this movie just with that expectation i was almost like oh we're gonna get like some cool stuff from him in this movie too but then he's pretty much relegated to the sideline like instantly and has that one scene we just talked about and then like nothing else pretty much yeah and also i don't i gotta say i don't believe that he was what was he, a Marine, and he served in Iraq and everything. And he was a lawyer, too, right? He's like a lawyer. Yeah, I just don't get any... He doesn't He doesn't sound very smart. <laughs> and he's... And the, I guess, like, physical requirements to be a Marine, I just don't buy it from him for some reason. There's one, there's one shot of, like, there's a long shot of him walking, and he has his feet are, like, completely, like, a V when he's walking. It's most awkward i just don't believe that he can run i want to see him like do something athletic i don't i don't believe it's funny though actually... like i've i buy emily blunt and maybe it's because i've seen edge of tomorrow and like yeah she's like really awesome Super in that movie in that. yeah but like i i pretty much buy her like there's a scene where she fights john bernthal and you're like she could take him oh for sure <laughs> yeah she should just won the fight I don't know, that's why, like why why do we need i guess it's a vehicle to show that benicio del toro's character is like around <laughs> that he's like i don't know like, I, there, there's no well they used her right like the they fight. yeah so, yeah just but another part of them using yeah. it yeah i guess but like she could have she could have taken him down subdued him it would have been cool and we're like wow actually emily blunt is really cool and, and strong and stuff the and other then, strange thing is in this script it's hard for her to like distinguish herself too much because she's literally playing like the audience surrogate role like we're, she's almost there so we can just see what's happening through her eyes and she, they don't uh, they don't give her a, enough of an opportunity to just like be her own character it seems yeah but i think that there's an element of this like there's a better movie in here where she plays the character that we she's the vehicle for the audience to understand things and she plays like where we see things through her eyes and she plays the, the audience basically but is still 
maybe not in control, but really more handles things better and is more capable of doing things like the the almost like the house character or the the Dexter character where they're like, we trust this person. This person is good at what they do type thing. This is a uh, yeah. You know what's weird to me about Emily Blunt is she's married to Jim. John Krasinski from The yeah. Office, right? Yeah. And like for some reason to me that strikes me as like you know that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry's meeting with the inventor and yes the inventor's the wife is like really unattractive and yes. he's like oh man this man and that's has how integrity. he knows he's a good guy yeah <laughs> like yeah. that's how I feel about uh, Emily Blunt with with John Krasinski sort of which maybe is because oh, John Krasinski is so unattractive <laughs> I'm just like how the hell did he get end up with her and and why is she with him but that's sort of how i view it i'm like she's got integrity <laughs> so let me get this straight <laughs> <laughs> to marry world famous honestly beautiful actor john krasinski you have to have integrity extremely rich extremely charming it's one just of the most popular mix. tv actors know. of all time <laughs> i see what you're saying <laughs> i see what you're saying but you know so this movie so so this movie takes place in basically what five scenes i mean there's there's some stuff thrown in the middle but pretty much it's like house raid at the beginning Mm -hmm. tons of bodies cia comes in then there's like a 30 minute border crossing sequence where they capture this drug lord's brother so that they can draw him in then there's the bank sequence and then pretty much the rest of the movie is stake out the tunnel that this guy's gonna try to go through right yeah it's a fairly simple uh, outline. Yeah, and, and it sort of unfolds where it's like, oh, well, they're just going to cut him off. And then it's like, oh, no, they're actually sending Del Toro over to assassinate him. And then it's like, oh, no, they're actually sending Del Toro over to bring him to the drug lord drug lord house. And then they're going to assassinate him and his family also. And I think my my favorite piece of writing probably from Mr. Sheridan <laughs> Del Toro shows up and he sits there and talks to the guy for a while, and then he says, "Time to meet God." Yeah. <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> oh man, you, you gotta wonder like, is this is this Sheridan's like, this might be the line of, the line of the movie thought when he puts that in there, where he's oh. like. This is going to be the I am your father of, of Sicario, basically. He for sure like, was sitting in a room surrounded by, like, I don't posters know. Posters of Fight clothes. Club and Breaking Bad. <laughs> clothes and papers and those two posters behind him. And he's got, like, his open bottle of whiskey that is all he drinks every day. Yeah. And he's like, damn it, I got it. Yep. I, I got the line. This is it. The whole movie hinges on this. He had just marathoned Sons of Anarchy again, but only the scenes <laughs> that he's in. He just—I think he just probably watches True Detective season two on repeat while he's writing his movies. You know what this is? He watched True Detective, True Detective season two, and then he watched No Country for Old Men, and he said, "I could do No Country for Old Men." <laughs> that's that's actually—I thought about that a couple times during this movie. Yeah, I was like, like, "This I'll is, like a, this is kind of like a bad No Country for Old Men." Yeah, like I mean, it's still got really cool stuff in it, but like it's. You know, just from a story perspective, that's kind of what it is. Well, now, he took, he before took we a, get to the positives and all the Villeneuve stuff I want to talk yeah. about, I did say we were going to talk about Sheridan. So let me give you some of the stuff I found. Please. 
Now, we did talk about the way he treats Blunt, sort of, and the line that Del Toro gets at the end. I do also want to mention, strictly from a script perspective, that Del Toro's backstory is... (laughs) Del Del Toro's backstory is his wife had her head cut off and his daughter was burned in a vat of acid, which... Sounds about right for the Fight Club poster and the yeah. It sounds like he he heard about what the Mexican cartel is and he Wikipedia'd cool Mexican cartel deaths. <laughs> but when it comes to working on the actual movie, I found some stuff that was interesting to me in reference to my personal perception of him, which is number one. Apparently, they cut like ninety percent of Del Toro's dialogue because he explained his backstory too much and like was just too talkative and. Villeneuve was like, you know what? This guy would be way more interesting if he almost never said anything. Yeah. Uh, like, apparently there was a scene, like, when him and Emily Blunt talk after that briefing at the beginning, where, like, he instantly just, like, tells her everything about his backstory. But there was also some word about the final scene where <laughs> an interview with Emily Blunt that I found on YouTube from, like, the press junket, I guess, that they did for this. She basically said, well, uh, Denis knew that we weren't satisfied with the ending and he blocked off an entire day so we could sit in that room and and come up with something better. And and we basically found that scene just during the shoot, which which is, you know, relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Like whatever ending he had written was so bad that they were like, all the actors were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good because I didn't really, I mean, the ending kind of feels like It kind of feels like they figured it out when they got there. Right. But the ending also has a nice sense of finality to it, where it's like, this drug war does bad things to people, and everybody's a loser in it, and, you know, it's part of life in Mexico, and the kids are playing soccer and all that stuff. Yeah, that scene was was really good. I like the soccer part. There's a sense of, like, finality, but also, like, continuation to it, where it's like, this is the end of the story because this is always going to be the end of the story, which I kind of thought was nice. It'll be the end of Sicario 2. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, that being said, while we're talking about Taylor Sheridan, of course he decided, you know what? I think this movie needs a sequel. This needs a sequel. I'm not done with these characters yet. There's... But apparently he is done with one of the characters because he doesn't want Emily Blunt to be in the sequel. And when I say doesn't want, I mean that his quote was, that he couldn't find a way to realistically write Emily Blunt into the sequel. So he couldn't find a way to realistically write the main character into the sequel? That's a good question, though. Who's the main character in this movie? I mean, I guess maybe... Depends which you movie you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> for, I think for Taylor Sheridan, the main character is Del Toro. Taylor Sheridan? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for most people, the main character is probably Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, yeah. The poster thinks that. But... Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is he said of the sequel that he's working on, apparently it started filming already from what I could tell, but really? he said it makes the first one look like a comedy. There's a couple of big laughs. <laughs> I literally, I don't think I laughed at all during this movie. I, laughed, also, I laughed when he said time to meet God. <laughs> yeah. Not, but the other thing is saying this movie is like a comedy when it features... An opening scene with dead bodies with like plastic bags over their faces, headless bodies throughout the movie, a sequence where Blunt just looks at 
gruesome pictures. Uh, a sequence where Del Toro shoots a bunch of people, including kids. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm forgetting something, probably. There's blood. There's obviously well, a lot of blood. Yeah, that's the thing. He might... <laughs> he's probably looking at this movie and thinking... And is getting the wrong... If people, He thinks that people are liking this movie probably for the wrong reasons. He's like, what people like about this movie is all that stuff that you just mentioned. They like headless bodies, and that's what we're going to do. We're just going to stack the second the second movie with, with more of that stuff. And it's probably what happened when he watched No Country for Old Men, which is like mm. one of the best movies about like the, the bleak wasteland of violence and the new generation of whatever's coming next to the violence and cartel. And it's like... The best part of that movie is the blood on the streets. It's right. Like, it's it's kind of like, it, it's just sort of that reductionist Hollywood thinking where they don't yeah. look at what actually made the movie work. They just right. look at the fact that it worked and right. try to like take stuff from that somehow. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, the, the sequel's called Soldado, by the way. I don't, I don't know what that means. I'll have to look it up. Let's look it up. Um, but like, yeah, and it, it misses the point because when you look at, what is pretty much undeniably the best sequence of this movie where they cross the border, take that guy's brother and come back over. What makes that scene work is 1000% not anything to do with the bullets that get fired at the end of it. Like that's like the climax of it, but the buildup to it is what makes it work. Like, right. The, you know, they're driving through the streets. She's seeing all these bodies and, everyone's acting like all tough and they're stopping and sitting in the alley for 30 seconds just to like build some tension and Jeffrey Donovan's just doing stuff. And within the sequence itself, by the time they get back to the border, like you've been told, watch out for the state police. Uh, If there's an attack, it's going to be at the border. And there's also been like this tense buildup before that, where you feel like something could have happened at any moment. And then in that moment, you kind of get stuck in her perspective and you're looking around and it's like, that car looks like, oh, that guy has a gun. Okay, that guy has a gun. Then Donovan, yep. like, rolls the window down. And then they're like, don't engage until they step out of the car. And then it just slowly builds and builds and builds. And then even right. to the point where they're pointing at them, they're like, don't shoot or you're going to die. It's just such a tense sequence. And everything about it that makes it work has nothing to do with the act of violence right. itself. It takes 30 minutes of, of non-action to make that action. Because, like, this is a great, like, this is a good movie. And yeah. a lot of that is contingent upon some of some of the violence like there needed to be some violence in this movie but there didn't there surely didn't need to be any more that sequence took 30 minutes to ramp up to that one piece of five second ten second shooting and blood on the street that was all it took and that was like a little bit goes such a long way and if he's if the one thing we're getting from this movie is that it's going to be more violent and more i mean it could just be more bleak and have a more dour look at at what's gonna about what the cartel situation is or whatever like it could it could be that it could not be there's still a chance that it's not gonna be all that violent but if that's what it is if he's just gonna ramp up the car and he thinks that's what's good about his movie then it's not gonna it's not gonna have the same effect it's not gonna be as strong it's sort of like a movie i was thinking about this as i watched it like enemy and prisoners are probably the two best villeneuve movies we've watched so far and what makes them work is like how like how buried you are in the story, like you're just involved. Mm-hmm. And like it gets complicated, but like the humanity of the characters keeps you in touch with what's going on. And I felt like that was the biggest thing this movie was missing, where it kind of felt reverse engineered in a way Villeneuve movies usually don't, where 
usually start at the personal and build out to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it was like, we're going to start with the entire drug war. And then at the end, it's going to be like, he actually did this because his family died. And right. it's like, okay, it probably would have been better if you told a personal story about the drug war instead of like, cause the most interesting story to me in this that they don't really get into is probably the dirty Mexican cop who like has the kid who wants to play soccer and he's like, you know, got some alcohol problems, but he's like a dirty cop and he's pushed it too far. It's like, like that, that that's probably a more interesting movie. It can be. But the thing is like, that's not what they did with him specifically. Like him as it was in this movie was felt forced to me. Like every 15 minutes, we're going to cut back to this guy and he has a cool conversation with his kid. Just to remind you that there are humans in Mexico too. Yeah. Like, I don't like that's how that's kind of how it felt. Because the movie, the first 40 minutes, that, that movie, the Emily Blunt movie, that was a terrifying look at the cartel. That's sort of not faceless or nameless, but almost omniscient presence in, in Mexico where you're like, as soon as you're in Juarez, you're in cartel land. And it's everywhere, and anyone can be part of it. And you're always, unless you're in this room with 600 Marines, and we're watching the slideshow, unless you're in that room, you are in danger. That's a compelling, that's, like, that was the vehicle I wanted to go in. Not knowing what's going on, but trusting the driver with Emily Blunt, and to some degree Josh Brolin, which I liked the mystery around Josh Brolin's flip-floppedness. That even if was, you didn't that like the flip-flopping this. <laughs> even if I didn't like the flip-flops themselves. Um, and not knowing what Benicio Del Toro is going to do, that was interesting to me. That was a, a good character movie. I was going to say, like, like a, all the negatives aside, like, Del Toro is great. He is. And that's the thing. He got another A++ cast to do this, especially with the big three between Emily Blunt, Del Toro, and, and Josh Brolin. Taylor Sheridan. And Taylor Sheridan, <laughs> And uh, Walking Dead's John Brenthal. Like, that could have been a, a classic Villeneuve where I think if he had written that, he probably would have followed that to its conclusion. And I don't know what the climax would have been for that or what the sort of the end game for that is, but the, the elevator pitch of talented and capable Emily Blunt, FBI Kate Mercer, Macer, whatever her name is, gets dropped into a situation where she's her eyes are open to what's actually happening in the world that she's been working for this long. Because, like, this whole thing of you're not doing any, you're not actually doing anything where you are in Texas or New Mexico right. or wherever. But what's actually going on is act- is in Mexico. That's a more interesting story to me. And then you get this whole this whole story about her. But, no, well, I guess we're just, we're into, into vengeance killing between cartels. Yeah, because the movie puts her on the sidelines for the last 20 minutes, yeah. basically. Yeah. And it's like, like, I don't care if del toro goes and shoots this drug lord really like it's gonna be intense i'm sure they'll make it cool right Right. but like the first 45 50 minutes of this movie are definitely like the same quality as like prisoners and enemy sort of in a i feel weird saying that always with enemy but like the first 50 minutes of this movie are like top-notch villeneuve like great filmmaking great movie everything almost everything is working like pretty great yeah. And then, like, the second hour is sort of just, like, that was entertaining. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah, but, like, don't, I know we're, we sound really negative, but, like, I enjoyed this. I like right. this. I'm curious what you think about the ending, because on one hand, it's obvious, like, they're making her give away her morals so that they could do this drug war the way they want to or whatever. Right. But 
just on a character level, like what did you take away from those last moments? Because then she, after Del Toro, like puts a gun to her head and makes her sign the paper. She walks out on the balcony and points a gun at him and then like puts it down and he walks away. And it seemed like one of those things that was supposed to be imbued with a lot of meaning. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I get, okay. So I get kind of the feeling that, and this is, I assume this is the scene that they're like, we figured out when we got there. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think at least the part in the, in the room, it was implied that that was sort of fixed up. Yeah. So I think that there's a version of that scene that goes really well. If it's in the version of the movie that went really well, where we followed Emily Blunt to her conclusion, she realizes, holy crap, there's only so much I can do. This is so much bigger than me. This is so much bigger than... It's so much dirtier than, I'm, than I even thought, and the American side is even pretty dirty, too. Especially with sort of the one good thing about that that previous scene where Del Toro kills the, kills the other drug lord. So the drug lord is like, like, the Americans are doing this, too. Like, you, where you come from, I think that's what he's implying, is that, like, we're killing people, we're killing families, but everyone in power right now is killing families. That's That's the thing. And then so for him to point the point the gun at her, her or whatever and say, in the following scene when Del Toro threatens her and says, uh, this is for wolves, you're not a wolf. I'm guessing... More great writing. Yeah. I'm guessing when she when he walks out and she points the gun at him, that's her kind of like last-ditch effort to say, I, I am a wolf, kind of. Because <laughs> previously she, he, he, she points a gun at him and he's like, never ever point a gun at me in a way that kind of says, I'm going to murder you if you ever threaten me again oh so like he almost respects it <laughs> I, I think because so. he turns like he turns a little bit he turns his head a little bit when she first points the gun and then he does like a full about face and like like meets her eye contact and is facing her and it's kind of i forgot about that earlier line maybe that's what i was supposed to take from that like yeah you know he threatened her earlier and he was like if you ever do this again i'm gonna kill you and when she did it again he was just like oh you know what nice yeah which is like uh, like <laughs> like at that point you might as well just have him turn around and shoot her in the head because <laughs> i kind of was i, I kind of wanted her character. to shoot him yeah but. then yeah and and once again like that scene means more like it's a it's not a it's a fine scene it's a not great scene in the in the context of the last 50 minutes of the movie but it could have been a not bad one it could have been a decent a pretty good one if if we had been following Emily Blunt this whole time and she had more like she had an actual resolution to her character and sort of an actual conclusion to the movie. Do you think Sheridan got this in the movie or Villeneuve thought about there's a scene where she's like getting dressed and Kaluuya's there. Yeah. And the bra comments. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, you're the only guy that's seen me in a bra in a while. And I was just like, "What is? Why is this in this?" That sounds like Taylor Sheridan wrote that more explicitly, and then Villeneuve talked him down. (laughs) (laughs) It could be, yeah. Like he sees her naked or something, and yeah, probably. And he 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 probably was like, his his idea was probably to cast like like a like a Playboy bunny in the movie or something, right? Yeah, just to make her even more like even more weak and like clueless i don't know yeah i don't yeah. want to talk about him anymore i think that there's a way to like because she she is kind of a uh, she could have been almost a gyllenhaal in prisoners character where it's like she has no personal life she 
is her this job is her entire life and that's and that's going to be the vehicle for her character development sort of where like she's completely swallowed by this job and it 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 consumes her basically and we never saw underwear shots of of Hall in prisoners to prove that you know like it, I, it like give give Villeneuve the keys for five minutes to have her sitting alone in a restaurant somewhere to where we realize she has no personal life outside of this job. Yeah. Like, why do we have to have a bra shot and then have Coolia comment on it and then bring it up later? Like, it's weird. It's a weird combination, Sheridan and Villeneuve. They're they're two people I don't see going together at all. Yeah. And maybe that's why this is like three different movies. Right. But. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what Villeneuve actually thinks about this movie now, mm-hmm. um, especially now that they're making a sequel and he's not involved in it. I wonder what his impression is looking back. It's weird. And and technically speaking, like this movie's incredible. Like some of the stuff that they do with yes. him and Roger Deakins and the production designer and the set mm-hmm. designer and everything. Like we talked about the border crossing scene. I watched a cool video about the opening scene, even where Blunt is just sitting in the SWAT truck you know, and her eyes are closed and the light shines on her or whatever and her eyes open. And there was all this talk about how they wanted that to be this big metaphor versus how she's going to be going through the light and the dark of the drug war and all that stuff. And they build a whole SWAT vehicle because the typical SWAT vehicle doesn't actually have windows. Um, So it was unrealistic to have the light come through. So they had to build this entire thing. And it was like, it was a really cool thing. And, And New Mexico, obviously where they uh, new mexico is where they shot it and new mexico is obviously one of the greatest things that's ever happened to filmed entertainment like yeah like you just look at this and breaking bad and it's like god they should just film literally everything there but yeah i mean there's a lot of cool stuff and like i really enjoy this movie i just think it doesn't stack up with some of the complexity and like just layering of other villeneuve movies yeah i think that it kind of goes back to this clashing of mentalities for this entire movie where I think Sheridan or maybe like the point of this movie or something is, is to feel very impersonal. I get almost intentionally impersonal, non-intimate vibes from this movie. That's uh, so like non-Villeneuve. And that's not, so that's weird. exactly right. Like it's, it just, it, it cla- like it clashes with everything he does. Like we're meant to get that Del Toro is a complete enigma. So is Josh Brolin. And those are two of the main characters, which is like is a fine idea. It works for a lot of movies that we have these really enigmatic characters, but we don't ever get any any insight into their what they feel or personality wise at all. And with Blunt, we're at the the closest we get to her is when we're as confused as she is, basically. Uh, and there's a point where um, there's a shot where after the after the border crossing situation, the incident there, she's questioning. Josh Brolin's character. I should have looked at their names. I don't remember the, his name in the movie, which is I don't either. Which lends to this whole sort of like yeah, like I end up not really caring caring about any of the, what happens to any of the characters, but um, she's questioning him and badgering him, and the whole shot or the whole scene that's like right outside the the complex where they keep the soldiers, the safe building or whatever. <laughs> I don't know any military terms. <laughs> the the, sa- the SZ, the safe zone or something. He's like questioning her, and the entire shot is from a hundred feet away. Like, it's her most confused, it's her most desperate. Yeah, that was really interesting. I meant to bring that up. Yeah, and it's, this, it's the one long take, and it's and it's from a million feet away, and we have no idea. Like, we don't share in the confusion with her anymore. And that and actually, from that point on, it becomes a, the Taylor Sheridan movie. 
and it gets really impersonal and it's yeah. like here's some cool stuff that happens with, with Sakari. it's almost like narcos at that point it's like we don't... <laughs> well yeah because another thing that got me excited at the beginning of the movie is after that initial house raid where they find all those bodies mm-hmm. and they have like this plastic bag over their head that makes them kind of anonymous right and there's a scene afterward where blunt is in her bathroom yeah and the mirrors it, fogged yeah, yeah the mirrors fogged but like just over her face mm-hmm. in the same kind of way where she could have been one of those bodies you right. know yeah. and like that shot and obviously the border crossing scene and the shot you just talked about where her and Berlin are arguing but in a very non-traditional Hollywood way where like normally you could see it being like this tight intercutting, like them yelling at each other, but it's just like yeah. you're sitting back watching it. Mm-hmm. And those three things had me really excited for this movie. And then the rest of it was kind of just like, you're kind of riding that high so that it's still enjoyable. But like, yeah. if you started the movie from that point, you would be like, what is this? Yep. And that's in that, the price that we pay for that second half of the movie is, like, I don't even remember, like, Josh Brolin doesn't have a resolution in this movie. Like, there's no, like, he doesn't, I mean, he yeah. doesn't, I mean, this, maybe this is, like, an old way, but, like, he doesn't change at all in this movie. He doesn't have any sort of, there's no, we don't, nothing's revealed about him, and it's not, and it doesn't really seem intentional that that happens that way. Um, he, like, the last we see him is where he's like, you're not going to tell anybody about this. Yeah. And you're like, all right. I mean, if he turned around and got shot in the forehead, I wouldn't care. And then Del Toro, like, there's an opportunity at that dinner table when he finally gets to the to the other drug lord or whatever, for him to have, like, some sort of something, just anything. But he's like, eh, I'm just going to kill everyone. And he kills Time everyone, to he meet says. God. Time to meet God, and he pieces out of there, which is, and there's nothing after that. We don't have any, I don't know. It just, like, I don't care I, at all. Yeah, and, like, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I, I don't care what happens to Del Toro after this. Right. Like the next movie is supposed to be delving more into the history and which by personality. the way soldado soldado in Spanish is soldier. Oh, good. Yeah, thrilling. <laughs> thrilling. And like I, there's just what else is there to learn about him? Like you told us everything in your in your stupid Wikipedia lines. Right. I I'm I'm sounding way more negative on this movie than I <laughs> yeah. kind of am. But yeah, it just is kind of frustrating to see like a decent movie get turned into this sequel machine that it's not meant to be. And I think I'm sure that's probably why Villeneuve separated himself from it on some level. Uh, the the other thing I wanted to mention that was cool in kind of a oh I respect that kind of way and didn't really work as well on the screen for me was the nighttime scene with the thermal vision and stuff apparently they actually just like did that like none of that was post or anything it was all like they used Mm. real thermal cameras and just filmed it and they had this they had the prop guy or whatever heat up some of the soldiers boots and then walk in front and then they filmed it so that it showed up like that that's pretty cool i didn't see that (laughs) that it was cool for sure but i looked at that i was like why would the why would the boot prints be hotter than the it's, body the, like, yeah like why like why because it has it's literal white boot prints those are like it's like the shoe is warm itself or something which maybe is a statement on i don't know the, the shoe was warm i guess yeah, from what i'm pretty sure it's warm I but i think this probably satisfied an itch for villeneuve because you know with prisoners he obviously talked about 
oh, I want to see how far humans will push themselves to like solve something they think is evil and what they will go to the lengths they will go to and stuff like that. And it's sort of the same kind of idea, just on a bigger scale. And this definitely is, this is probably his largest scale movie, right? As far as like the things they try to pull off on a technical level and like all those establishing shots that they have and everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think uh, he's getting progressively more like that. I think Arrival is obviously going to be even bigger and then Blade Runner is going to be bigger than that. I think he's kind of ramping up. We just keep giving him more to handle. I think that, I think that's interesting too about this movie is this is probably his most fun movie. Like that's the thing. Like there's yeah, like cool because shootouts of all the and thing, cool. Actually, ironically, because of all the because things lacking. Yeah. Like it makes it more kind of popcorny. Yeah, and that, and that's the interesting thing where like Villeneuve doesn't like to this point hasn't made anything super popcorny, except you could argue like I I think Prisoners is really is a legitimately really fun movie, um, just in the in like a in like one of those Doctor Doom sort of just free fall type feeling movies, not the not the movie Doctor Doom the ride at Universal, where it's like it's like yeah obviously you know everyone talks about that ride, where I think that it, it's this is one of the biggest problems with the two with the two movies that get married here where the Villeneuve version of this movie is awesome and chilling, and eye opening and dark, and odd and it makes less money, and it would have been better. The Sheridan version of this movie, I think, also would have been better if they had just fully Sheridanized it. If they had given this to Catherine Bigelow or Justin Lin or somebody fun (laughs) and made this and added, like, 40 shootout scenes and made uh, Emily Blunt more like Keanu Reeves in Point Break and just that's obviously a that's a much different movie, though. Right. It's a different it is a different movie. But that's like if we had just done that with Sheridan's script. Like, I think that could have been done where it's like, it's wilder and it's more fun and it's, and given it like whatever his weird, probably terrible ending to this movie was where there's probably a house blowing up or something like done that and just made it more fun. I think could have been also a good, like, I, I actually guarantee think that you that his ending was this. like Emily Blunt dies. Yeah. And that would have been more if they had done that mixed with a different director. I mean, the problem with that, I think, is, like, if you make a drug war movie that's, like, The Matrix, like... Not The Matrix, but, like... Well, but, like, with, like, an action I, I I don't Not know, like, I feel either, like but... if you... It, it would it would come across as taking the drug war, like, lightly and kind of, like, having all these action scenes and, like... I don't know. I, I feel like you need... Yeah, but that wouldn't be the first time that that's happened, I feel like. Nah, I don't know. Probably not, but... I I I'm I personally prefer Villeneuve's angle on this. I just wish that he had uh, gotten to make more of his version of the movie. And I, I I guess we're sort of judging based just off of some interviews and what we've seen because no one will obviously speak about this. But <laughs> it seems pretty apparent to me. And I think that that like like I think that Villeneuve's version of this movie is the best version of this movie if they had yeah. fully Villeneuve. By the way, I found it. my favorite line that made me laugh. Oh, good. It was uh, when they first meet Jeffrey Donovan's character. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? And they, uh, yeah, Josh yeah. Brolin is like, how's it going? And he's like, when I pee, it burns. <laughs> and he they have like some a, winners. They have like, a, they have like a 30-second conversation about Jeffrey Donovan's pee, which yes. was funny. And he has a great tidbit of history about the last time William Taft came to Mexico 
and he like Joel, I love his glasses. Burn Notice is having his mustaches. Burn Notice. Okay, the burn. We. I want the Burn Notice version of this movie. Yes. The movie that Jeffrey Donovan was in this was in is the movie I want. That's a Taylor Sheridan movie that, that yes, could have been good. Yes, because he was in a different movie than everybody yeah, else. He was a cowboy. He was there. He was in He was in Juarez, Mexico to have a good time. That's, like, he He was ready to, to ride the lightning and shoot people and and make a full... He read Taylor Sheridan's script like it was meant to be read, and I, I think that that's a better movie than what yeah. we saw. Yeah, this movie apparently had, like, a $30 million budget, which, which sounds small compared to what it looks like. Um, but it grossed like 84 worldwide, so good deal, good deal. It's not bad. And we mentioned the Oscar nominations, and apparently the studio liked it enough that they decided to force a sequel out of it. So, yeah, I can't promise we'll be back for a Soldado podcast, but can't imagine we will be back for the Arrival podcast. I can say that we're almost done. I know. Can you believe it? I can't. I think we. I, I'm very happy with the director that we picked. Yeah, this is good. I feel like we went from like, like it's been a journey, you know, like his first movies were we like. We had to work for it. Yeah. It was like a little bit of work and like a lot of like darkness and, but he really is a guy who has come into his own, it seems, and yeah. like is a really, really strong filmmaker. And it's kind of interesting for me to think that he was kind of a man of mystery before we started this, where I was kind of like, yeah, I, I like a couple of his movies and I think he probably is pretty good, but. Watching through all this, I'm like, this guy legitimately is probably one of the he's great <laughs> five best directors that's yeah. working right now. Yeah, but that's a different ranking for a different day. Yeah, and we caught him at a good time too, where like we had done if we had done Coen Brothers or we had done PTA or Wes Anderson, like these people are more than likely past their they've made their best movies already. Mm. Like, and I guess it's possible that Villeneuve has made his best movie. But, or at least, okay, maybe if they haven't made their best movie, or maybe we haven't, like, whatever, they're prime, but they've established themselves as what they are. They're very established at this point. You can right. see Coen Brothers and movie, they're still and there's still a little bit of a question, I guess, with Villeneuve. With, yeah, where we're like, we're catching him going into his, what would this be for his, like, this is his, no, I'm not going to say this is his There Will Be Blood, but, like, this <laughs> I mean, be this his, is like, his, his, test his most of... high-profile, yeah. This is his test of, like, how stifled can a director be by a studio? How much can he make his own movie out of this? Like, is he going to create the next Dark Knight? Or is he just going to be World. the next, like, Superman, you know? Yeah. And and obviously Blade Runner is a little different than those things because it's sort of an unvisited property for a while. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm seeing reports. The, there's no confirmed numbers. But reports that this movie cost $185 million. So it's at the very least going to be a spectacle and I'm just very curious to see whether it works and whether it fits in with the Villeneuve. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that one. So we'll be back with Arrival and maybe I think we're we're hoping for one more bonus episode. A secret one. Top secret. Yeah. So secret that we won't tell you until it's way too late and you've almost been killed by multiple Mexican assassins. Wow. Good callback. <laughs> quick quick uh, side thought here. If this, if you don't feel strong enough about Taylor Sheridan in whatever direction you should feel, he also acts in things. Acts in things. Um, he has 22 acting credits on IMDb. But when he acts, his name is spelled T-A-Y-L-E-R. Jesus Sheridan. Christ. He changes it just to act. 
So, if you don't know enough about Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> that's really, that's the character beat that tells you everything you need to know, everything. I feel like. yeah. Hmm. Gosh, you think he gets mail? Sorry. <laughs> like, like he looks at it, and if it's addressed to ER, he says, oh, cool, I got an acting gig. And he puts on a different, like, a different personality, like, enemy. I bet he watched Enemy and... Decided to start acting in 1995. No, I, I, I bet he watched Enemy and thought, like, that Jake Gyllenhaal... Well, actually, there's no way he understood Enemy. What I was going to say is I bet he was was cheering when Gyllenhaal decided to go back to cheat on his wife again. Yeah. But, but I, I don't think he probably followed that He didn't get that, that far movie. in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, all right, well come back arrival's a really fun one i saw this movie in theaters actually so was, yeah i'm looking very, forward very to rewatching this it's his um, most his most kubricky movie and i think it's probably the best amy adams movie that's a good maybe maybe the fighter hmm. oh the fighter's good fighter's good yeah so we'll get into that you can find that all over the internet because it is only from last year and <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah that's it we're done we're done with sicario bye sicario can't wait so. for Sold You Dad. Sold Soldado. Soldado. Sold told you dad. I don't know what that sounded like. That's it's the kid you know what this movie is? You know what Soldado is? <laughs> the kid of the of the dirty cop in Mexico grows up and decides he wants to kill Benicio del Toro. It's forty five years in the future. It's probably shot it's probably twenty forty nine. Same <laughs> year. Shared in twenty forty nine. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye, everyone. Foxworthy Podcast.